It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, let's get right back into this. There's so much happening in the comment section. I can't keep up. What say you to this? Nick Senzel is completely unreliable at the plate, and it's not like he's a rookie. Just plain average and currently serving no real purpose. Lefties. Like, he needs to be a hard and fast platoon guy. If there's a lefty on the mound, we'll play him. And if there's not, we won't play him. Like, he can't hit right-handers. It's period, plain and simple. I think he's hitting like a buck 40 against him this year. And I don't think that is like a, a tiny sample size issue. I think that's been something his entire career that he's had. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's useful against left-handed pitching. I don't know that I trust him defensively. I'm with you. I don't trust him defensively in the corner outfields really that much. And I know he came into the game in right field last night. But, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's move into another one. Uh, Josh checks in, says he's an everydayer. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate you. Says, where do you guys see Jake Fraley right now with the team? I love him to death, but Will Benson has pretty much forced his way into more playing time than Jake. I don't see that this way because I think that's a great corner outfield combination, especially mm-hmm. against right-handed pitching. You start both of those guys and then versus lefties, you know, Jeff, I don't know if I'm quite ready to, get in on the Will Benson should play every day hype train. Uh, I mean, I know he did well against left-handed pitcher the other night there in Baltimore. I think I'll need to see a little bit more, but of course, in order to see that David Bell just has to do it. So uh, I don't think that what you do with Will Benson necessarily impacts Jake Fraley. I think I'm about decided though, that Jake Fraley shouldn't get a whole lot of playing a time against left-handed pitching. Uh, I think he, I think he is really a platoon guy. I know he's had some limited success at times, but I think it's, the end of the day jake fraley is a guy you want to just start against right-handed pitching no i agree i I think that there's a nice lineup that you can build against right-handed pitching that includes both fraley and benson on the corners steer at first and joey dh'ing so i think that you it's an easy lineup move around there then against right-handed pitching you can kind of mix that up um i've always been in the camp that has said i want to see fraley play more against left-handed pitching so that we know because I feel like his career exposure to lefties just isn't enough for me to know but as long as the Reds continue to have guys who can mash against left-handed pitching let's let's just make sure we put him in the situations that he is best suited for all right I'm trying to find the next one that we're going to talk about uh sorry Jeff they're going by so fast I wasn't able to grab all of them Oh, here it is. 
Mark Turner asks, what about using an opener for Luke Weaver? Uh, I keep hearing this. Uh, he asks if they should do this, if they keep, if they insist on keeping him on the roster. His biggest problem seems to be the first entering and entering the game in the bottom of an order may help. Is that the problem, Jeff, in your mind? Or do you think that it, it I don't know, maybe they should just shouldn't have him throw 30 extra pitches in the bullpen before he goes out there. Just ask him to throw 30 max effort pitches before you, you put him in the game. Because I don't know that it's a top of the order problem. I, I Because, you know, nine batters came and went in the first inning in his last start. So, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine all did fairly well against him. So for me, I think it's... I really think they should try him as just a straight reliever. I don't think he needs an yeah. opener. And when I say reliever, I mean a true reliever. You bring him in for an inning, two innings of work. You allow him to focus and use his two best pitches and pitch with maximum effort every time he's out there. I want to see what that pitcher looks like. I, I mean, I understand he's been bad. He, was, he wasn't he was great in, in Kansas City. He's been bad in the rotation here, but... At some point in time, he was able to work his way through a minor league system and make it to the major leagues. There has to be some stuff there. Let's see if we can unlock it by putting him in the best position to be successful. And that would be, for me, in the bullpen, being able to pitch with maximum effort for a limited amount of time. Yeah, I think that he is a guy that would benefit more from being a fifth, sixth, seventh inning type relief pitcher I don't I don't know that an opener helps him he could be a guy that when it comes to his pitching and it's so frustrating to watch his start yesterday giving up four runs in the first inning and then retiring the next 10 batters it was just like seriously what what would it take you so long to do that for this is kind of to me it's reminiscent of the argument that we had about Luis Castillo about I think it was about two three years ago no two years ago in 2021 um, whenever he was starting off really rough. Like you remember that first like month and a half, two months he was getting shelled every first inning seemed like he'd go out there, give up three, four five runs. And then the rest of his start, he wouldn't give up anything and he'd strike out a bunch of guys, but everybody's saying we need to get an opener. I think there's something to some guys that just need to see a couple of outs before they really get going. You know, they always say that about quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, certain types of quarterbacks, you need to throw like a screen pass or a swing pass. You need to throw something short so that they see the ball go into the receiver's hands and then the rest of the game, they're going to be all right. Or like in golf, you know, sometimes you just need to see the ball go into the hole so that, you know, you can actually do that when it comes to Luke Weaver and his pitching. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you get him to feel as though he just got his first out and he can really start rolling. But I feel like that's kind of how he pitches. Let's go and have a little catcher conversation because while my opinion hasn't changed on the three catcher situation, I'm just wondering about the best way to do it at this point. Uh, Mark McWhorter says it's time to move on and, and free up a catcher spot. Uh, Steve checks in and says, keep Maley and say goodbye to Casali. Uh, I don't know where you go it's with just- this catcher situation. I, 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 Will they have the intestinal fortitude to cut Kurt Casale? I think that's the thing. Like, it just depends on who you want to keep. If you want to keep Maley, you have to cut Casale. And if you want to keep Casale, you probably could trade Luke Maley. What do you make of this? John says, I think you could start Luke Maley every day and he would hit as well as 2023 Stevenson. He has looked decent at times. I, I, I think the, I think the, the, 
thought there is, do they consider trading Tyler Stevenson? I say no to that one, just because his value is as low as it's ever been right now. And, yeah. and B I'm, I'm still not convinced he's not playing semi injured or not at a hundred percent. There's, there's something wonky going on with Stevenson that we're going to find out about later and be like, ah, that's what was well, going on. And remember what we were saying about Jonathan India on today's episode where we were just like, you know, he's seen these guys come up. He's seen how good they're doing. Maybe he's pressing a little bit to make sure that he's still the dude when it comes to production wise. I think the same could probably be said for Tyler Stevenson. There's like weird things out there because I just can't put my finger on why he has struggled so much, but he had a two hit night last night. He was doing pretty well at taking the ball the other way, hitting it into right field and getting a nice single out of it. When he starts doing that on a consistent basis, then we'll know he's back because I don't think, and, and we got ahead of ourselves when we started thinking power and, and, and homers and things oh, that like that. Me. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think he is a solid hitter. He's like a Sean Casey type hitter. He's never going to wow you with the home run numbers, but the average and the RBIs and the on base percentage is all going to be there. I want to grab this real quick from Lucas. He says, send down Casali, bring up CES. CES would be ideal DH first base. Uh, you know, Jeff and I talked about that uh, maybe a week ago. The, the, the piece in there, though, Lucas, is you can't send down Casali. You have to cut you it. You're going to have to yeah. just absolutely let him go. When I talked to John Sadak last week, he thought that the Reds would not cut Casali. If anything, maybe trade one of these catchers. I don't know how much trade value Casali has. Maybe there's a team out there that's desperate for a number two catcher that would give you, you know, a, a low A flyer yeah. prospect type of guy for him. Uh, Luke Maley probably has a little bit more trade value right now than Kurt Casali does, uh, but I don't think I want to go that route. I think when the, no. the dust settles, I want the catching room to be Tyler Stevenson and Luke Maley. I agree. I, I think Luke Maley has shown himself to provide quite a bit of value both on defense and uh, with his bat. So I don't want to, I don't want to punt on him. And yeah, if you trade Kurt Casale, you're not getting back a relief pitcher. You're not getting back a bench guy. You're getting back a low process, a low level prospect. If that, like think about what they did with Tucker Barnhart. That's basically probably what they would get uh, for Kurt Casale. Matthew Walker checks in and says, since Luke Maley is having a career year, should we think about trading him? Uh, we do have Chucky in AAA in case a catcher gets hurt. Uh, you know, Jeff, this speaks to a change in philosophy, I think, because if you if if this were last year, you and I would both be saying, yeah, you trade Luke Maley and get some stuff for him because we're building. Well, we've kind of moved past that point in the window. Uh, we're, we're at the point of the window where they're actually looking to win this division. Uh, yeah. So you don't, I think in this, in this scenario, you don't trade away Luke Maley just because he's having a career year, but Matthew, your point's well taken. You're absolutely right uh, in that you would get more in return. And if that was the, the main object of the trade, then yes, you know, Maley's your guy. But in this scenario, the Reds are looking more to add parts to win versus just trading away the talent to build for the future. So no, I'm keeping Luke Maley. Yeah, and he's more valuable to this team on the roster than he is for the prospect he'd bring back because I I don't see a, a realm of reality where Luke Maley brings back a prospect that would crack the Reds' top 20. All right, there's too many Steves on this show and in this chat right now because I thought Carlton Van Hoy was yelling at me about putting Ellie De La Cruz in outfield, and I'm like, I never said that, and then I realized it's a chat amongst Steves going on here. There's like three <laughs> Steves having a conversation over here in the chat, Jeff. Yeah, no, I, 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 
Look, I think that there's going to be a part of uh, the career of Ellie De La Cruz where he will move to the outfield. I don't know that it's going to be just now, but I think we will see that at some point, probably when Edwin Arroyo is ready to come up. Speaking of the Steves in the chat, Steve says, I want to hear more about India and why he is struggling so bad lately. At some point, shouldn't he be moved down in the order, say behind Steer and Votto? Well, Steve, I don't think you listened to the first episode of today because that's exactly what we said should happen. I want to see India down in the seventh or eighth spot until he figures it out. I think that whatever is going on with him messed up his head just a little bit. Moving him into third, uh, he said on the Jim Day podcast that he struggled struggled with the trade rumors that they they impacted him that he really mm-hmm. believed his time in Cincinnati was coming to an end and I think it messed up his head a little bit I would like to see them move him down in the order give him the opportunity to see some good pitches to hit build his stats back up just a little bit and then once he's right you can talk about moving him back up somewhere in the top third of the lineup but honestly Jeff if you put him down look I'm not opposed to batting him ninth Mm-hmm. If if you put him in the ninth spot guy. and he's a second leadoff guy the rest of the game, right? So it takes a few at-bats away from him. It gives a few extra at-bats to whoever you move up there. But, you know, TJ Friedel has done a tremendous job uh, leading off in games. So I'm okay going Friedel McLean 1-2 the rest of the way. I would not have a problem with India batting ninth. And then you build up the rest of the lineup depending on what pitcher's going that day and what, handed, uh, what handedness is happening. I, I would have no problem with that. Just imagine the the Reds lineup from Wednesday night. You move Jonathan India down to ninth. You just move everybody else up one. That means that you had Benson at eight, India at nine, uh, Friedel at one, McLean at two. If you're an opposing pitcher and somebody tells you, hey, you're going in to face the bottom of the Reds lineup, he's like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm facing Will Benson, Jonathan India, TJ Friedel, and Matt McLean. Like, that, I mean, that if that's how the lineup turns over, that's pretty good. No, you're you're absolutely right. What do you say about this? Adam Evans checks in and says he thinks the hitters know that they have to bring the offense every time Luke Weaver pitches, so it actually helps them. And he did he did <laughs> say this a little tongue in cheek, but there might be something to this because the Reds have only lost one of his starts where they yeah. What was that? And he's not that? won any of them. It's uh, it was a stat that Matt Wilkes had said that I think that six of the Reds 29 comeback wins have been when Luke Weaver starts the game and it's not as if Luke Weaver has six wins under his belt it's because whenever he leads they are trailing and they end up winning but yeah I think it's more tongue-in-cheek I I don't I don't want to pad no comebacks I I want I want a game where the Reds take the lead early and the coast is that so much to ask it's it's just it feels like it's just too much to ask right now it's it's not <sighs> good. Grief. No, I know, I know. We're we're not at the point in the Reds, you know, the 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 rebuild, the window opening. We're not at the point where we can say yes, we're a juggernaut, and there's just going to be some games that we coast to wins. All of them are going to be tough. I definitely understand that part, but it feels as though the Reds are making them tougher on themselves by running Luke Weaver out there every fifth day. Our good friend Debbie Brown checks in. She says she agrees. She thinks Stevenson is hurting right now. It's definitely possible. I I mean, he played catcher yesterday. This reminds me so much of the whole Jesse Winker situation a few years back, Jeff, where he had the shoulder injury, then he was back, and everybody said that he was fine. And then we get to another offseason, and suddenly you read uh, Jesse Winker had 
shoulder surgery. And then he came back from that and started hitting bombs because his shoulder had been wrecked for a whole season. So I don't know. That is an eerie similarity. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. So I, I, I wonder if I, I will be very interested to watch how Tyler Stevenson's uh, off season program goes and what he does. Uh, we're definitely going to bring him back on the show and I will just ask him straight out. Not that he'll tell us, but I'll ask him straight out if his shoulder was bothering him all year when he comes back on. He's been a he's been a good friend to us. So I think we'll have him on this offseason. And I'm going to ask. And I still think there's a mental aspect to it because he told us whenever we asked him, what's the perfect number of games you'd like to catch? And he was like 130. Like he wants to catch every day. And I think that there is a mental aspect to this of being like, this is what I want to do. But for the greater good of the team, this is not what I'm doing. So there's got to be like a little thought in the back of his head. And he's mature enough to suppress it. But a little thought in the back of his head is just like, I want to be catching. Why am I DHing? I don't want to DH. Seth Lewis checks in, Jeff, and wants to know how we feel about using Noel V. Marte as a trade chip to get better pitching. Uh, That's how you get Shane Bieber. He's, he, right. Because he, Seth's saying, you know, there's a, there's a crowd of infielders, yep. and there are. Man, I would, I would struggle. Is Noel V. Marte untouchable? I don't know. I don't think- he's not untouchable, but it would take a hell of a deal. It'd have to be, it'd have to be Shane Bieber plus years like the extension you were talking about jeff it would have to be it would be it would have to be something significant because does shane bieber come in and impact this rotation immediately yes yeah he's a needle mover uh i don't like he he becomes uh, the ace even if everyone's healthy yeah Yeah. i I think so can you imagine a august september rotation of bieber green lodolo abbott and then who cares after that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's the other thing. It's like, it's not just an August, September, 2023. Can you imagine a rotation for the next three years of Shane Bieber, Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, Graham Ashcraft, and, um, and Andrew Abbott. And then you could put, you know, Williamson could be your emergency sixth guy that probably is down in Louisville. Um, then you're talking about, you know, you don't have to worry about Luke Weaver. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, is Ben Lively going to come back soon? You know, things like that, which credit to him. He's held down the fort very admirably. But I, I think there's something to be said for really solidifying this rotation. What have we said coming into this season? The Reds needed to solidify their core. Could they do that by trading one of these guys that we think that, yes, he could be very good in the future, but you could solidify a very important part of your team by trading him. And I don't think, as I'm seeing this in the comments as well, I don't think that's mortgaging the future by trading a guy like that. I mean, this Reds farm system is pretty deep and sure. You're probably going to have to trade some really important guys to get a guy like him, but I might be talking myself into the idea of trading for Shane Bieber. I, at the end of the day, if a trade happens where the Reds get a guy like Bieber and there are some big prospect names that are on the reported deal, I'm not going to be mad about that. I'm going to be happy. There's going to be a thought, like a little thought in the back of my mind of like, yeah, but what about the future? I'm like, yeah, but what about right now? And what about the next couple of years? Because he's going to be here for another guaranteed year. And I think the Reds would at least have the strategic mind about them enough to go and get one more year or two more years added to that contract. Let's take a minute and talk about Spencer Steer, Jeff, because he continues to be, almost the forgotten guy 
yeah, lot of talk time about him enough. We're I talking agree. about all of these these rookies, and yet he's out there right now leading the team in home runs. He has the most RBIs of any eligible rookie in Major League Baseball right now. So that means he's clutch. That should keep all of the Tony Perez guys right now should be losing their mind. They they've got their new dude, you know. And and it's funny, Jeff, because. I, we've we've said it jokingly and tongue in cheek and it's somewhat serious at times. The new red machine, right? Everybody's yeah. been talking about that. So in that mindset, in that scenario, Spencer Steer is your Tony Perez right now. He is your he is your your RBI driving clutch guy. And we don't we don't spend enough time on this, but I still think that Spencer Steer could just low key slide into rookie of the year, uh, especially now that his offensive statistics are continuing to climb. Uh, you know, maybe he pulls that off. He definitely has an argument. I got to admit, Corbin Carroll really has a chokehold on that top spot for right now. But Spencer Steer has just been so quietly good. And he's doing it exactly the way he told you, playing every position that the reds ask him to play he's not one he's not a one position guy like he plays left field like he's been there for years he's he's already better defensively in left field than adam dunn i know that's not hard to do but he's only played like six games there and i already know that he's better defensively than adam dunn in left field so i i, I really think that he brings so much value to this team that we just kind of forget about him because he's that guy that, yeah, he's there. We don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to be there or not. We know he's there. I just want to say that I'm a huge fan of Adam Dunn. So just in case he's listening and we run into him at one of the Reds events. I said defensively. He's he not going to be offended you. He can that. punch you in the face. I, I love you, Adam Dunn. I'm just saying. but We care about him hitting home hashtag, runs and, and getting walks. Hashtag and Jeff That's hates what he does. Adam Dunn. Hashtag Jeff hates Adam Dunn. Who still has his jersey? <laughs> All right, let's fly into a few more of these before we get out of here. There's some questions going on in the comments about locking up some of these young prospects. We saw the Reds do this with Hunter Green, and it's it's bitten them in the butt, right? Like, we're upset about that? Are we mad no. that they signed Hunter Green and he's been hurt pretty much ever since? Are you upset, no. Jeff? No. Me either. Me either. So <laughs> who, should be the, who should be the next guy? Um, I'm seeing Matt McClain's name floated around here. Um you know, obviously people want to lock up Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, Spencer Steer has delivered. Do you get him extended right now and buy out some arbitration years? Um, I, I'm in firm agreement that we need to take the Atlanta Braves approach here and start buying out some arbitration years right now before the price is prohibitive. I think my answer hasn't changed from where it was a couple of weeks ago where like a month ago or whatever that we were talking about this. I think it should be Jonathan India. And I think oh, you do that. Goodness. I think you do that and you solidify his mental state. You solidify and say, look, we are committed to you. Because like he said, he was worried about the trade rumors because he's seen Castellanos walk in free agency, Winker get traded, Suarez get traded. He's seen all these guys just waved goodbye. This would be the Reds saying, look, you're a talented dude and you're going to lead this ball club for multiple years to come. We're going to sign you to an extension. 
this might be your worst take ever. Oh my God. How do you say number one? He's defensively, there's there's better second baseman on the team right now defensively that can mm-hmm. play that spot that he's really in the way of. When Noel V. Marte makes it to the major leagues, and Noel V. Marte will make it to the major leagues, someone has to move off of the infield, and it's going to be Jonathan India. He's going to play DH. He's going to have to learn left field. It's going to be Jonathan India. He's the worst defender of the bunch. When you have this many guys and you can't keep them all, Jonathan India is not the guy that you lock up. You lock up the ones that you know and you believe are going to be here and that you want to have here for eight, nine, ten years. That's Matt McClain. That's Ellie De La Cruz. That's Spencer Steer. That's probably Noel V. Marte. That's not Jonathan India. Jonathan India is your next great trade piece a year or two from now to bring in the next batch of prospects to restock the minor leagues. If the Tampa model is going to work, there has to be heartache in some of these trades. And Jonathan India is going to be the first piece of heartache that we feel when Crawl goes to establish the next wave because that's how the Cincinnati Reds become a year-end and year-out contender. It's not a one-and-done on this rebuild, guys. It's not a one-and-done on, okay, we've got all these guys. We're going to lock them up. We're going to be the San Diego Padres and spend $300 million and keep everybody that we've got right this second. That's not going to happen. Of this bunch of guys that are rookies right now this year, Two of those dudes are going to get traded, Jeff. You can't, it can't be Jonathan India. I know you want it to be Jonathan India. I know how much you'd like to, to support what he's bringing. But at the end of the day, it, it's not Jonathan India. He's not the, he's not the, he's not the droid you're looking for, Jeff. I'm going to use one of your Star Wars references here. Hashtag oh Steve God, hates Jonathan India. Fired up. That's fine. I will bear that monster <laughs> because he is not the one you lock up. He's not the he's not the long term cog that keeps this lineup moving forward for the next eight years. You know he's he's Mister Right Now as far as a team leader. Uh, much there's much more talent in some of these younger guys. There's much more stable influences on the infield in some of these younger guys. It's one of them that you have to lock up. That's a fair point. In that case, I'd lock up Ellie. Okay, that's fair. I can get on board with that. For me right now, if you had to pick one, Matt McClain or Ellie De La Cruz, it's a coin flip for me. One of those two guys Mm. should be locked up. Um, Ultimately, if if Ellie De La Cruz does Ellie things the rest of this year, absolutely. He's an off-season lockup for sure. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to afford him once arbitration hits. But um that, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, apparently, I'm wrong, Josh. You're telling me I'm wrong. Tell me why. Someone tell me why that Jonathan India is more long-term important than any of those other guys. I, I'm waiting. I, I'm, I'm. Someone tell me. I love Just it. Tell though, me because I knew I was going to unlock that. I knew I was going to unlock that. Oh my god! We've, we've had this discussion before. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. I I think that there's a lot that's going on right now with all the different ticket sales, with everything that's going on. I, I had a joke with uh, with a friend of mine at the Bowtie Bar the other day that uh, he came back and he's just like, good Lord, $14 for a mango cart. What on earth are we doing? I'm like, we're paying Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> that's what we're doing. That's an Ellie beer right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try to look at it through that lens too, with exactly that same thing. All right, Jeff, what else do we want to talk about before we get out of here? We're hitting the one hour mark right now. Let's get a couple more in there. Okay. Carlton's weighing in here. Carlton Van Hoy says that Jonathan India is the heart and soul. He's the captain without the sea. Uh, Call him Kyle Farmer 2.0. Yeah. We traded Kyle Farmer and we survived. The team didn't implode. Things are fine. 
It's it's no. This this is. I'm just guys, enjoying watching this. Everyone right now. This is, is so much you fun. guys are all reacting with your heart, and no one is looking at the long term viability of this team. I don't just want to win the division maybe one time this year or next year, and then be done with it. In order to be a perennial first place contender, there's gonna have to be roster churn. You only get to lock up one or two of these guys, and all of those other rookies are better than Jonathan India. I, I just it just I can't see it. Jonathan India just seems cuddly, though. Man, you know what? I'm going to log you <laughs> off of this chat. Where's, where's the dump button on this thing? No, that's 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 fair. That's uh, you're you're bringing up some fair points, some very interesting conversation points. I just I don't know. I I, I look at this and I say, Well, we're going here. Fraley could trade for number two or three starter. I don't know that he's worth that. I think that his platoon splits make him not worth that. Yeah, I, I don't think you could. I think you could get a number five guy for Fraley. Um, yeah, but the right. rest of this, so let's let's take let's dissect that part out of the comment. The comment that is, I love Fraley, but if we could trade him for a two or three starter, we would adjust and we would still have Benson. So let's break this up into two parts. I think I'm with you, Jeff. I don't think he pulls you a two or three starter. I think you're looking at a number five guy there. But the team would adjust. You know, it might be a little painful for a hot minute. It'd be weird doing the Viking celebration with the Viking traded away. But we would still have Will Benson. Jake Fraley, let's say Jake Fraley and Noel V. Marte. Or Jake Fraley and Edwin Arroyo for Shane Bieber. I might not get it done. Oh yeah, that's right. It's not gonna maybe, maybe Jake well, Fraley. I did see this. I did see this in the comments quite a bit. Dylan Cease. Is that overpaying for Dylan Cease? Edwin Arroyo and Jake Fraley. I don't know. He's got a lot of talent. Oh, David Brown. I love you, David Brown. Extending Jonathan India would be a Bob Castellini move to appease the fans. That is exactly correct. That is that is yes. That's the one that is blocking a Billy Hamilton trade. That is, that is being reluctant to move Yasiel Puig because there's 10 guys in the outfield wearing a t-shirt with his name on it. That is exactly what that is. I, man, I wish I had come up with that on my own. David Brown, you win today. That <laughs> you win. I, I think we need to get you a bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> you got me fired up and you did it on purpose. And now I'm mad at you. I love it. <laughs> Usually you're the one getting me fired up, so I thought I'd how how the turntables. And I fell for it, so that's the that's probably the worst part of this whole thing. And oh, then we'll, we'll so end much. we'll end on this note from Steve Birchels. Wait, where'd it go? I, everything keeps moving. Sorry, where'd it go? There it is. Steve thinks I'm just jealous of India's locks of hair, and that's probably correct. That's Thank you all so much for joining us on today's live Locked on Reds podcast. Steve is going to go recover. Uh, thank you all for jumping in the comment section, giving us questions and comments. Uh, make sure you join us. We're, we're ch- going to try and keep doing this on like off day Thursdays. We might have another one coming up next uh, Thursday as well. But uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Uh, f- make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting app and right here on YouTube. Because we will be locked on Reds every single day. I'm so go mad calm down right now. Go, go calm down. <laughs>
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 